All the things that could go wrong in this model would have gone wrong. You know, the team members, team coming from, even the team from India is from five different locations in India. And for all of them come together with the sole purpose of making the product better for the customer is amazing news when it comes to diversity and inclusivity is creating better design innovation for the product. Yes, definitely. We, we always say we turned one app into fun app. Nice. So, uh, and, and we all know that, you know, when we were going through this difficult patch, it wasn't fun. We remember that time. And we also know that we don't want to go back there. And we, we want to keep on investing in building the team and growing those personal relationships because we understand it's the key to our success as well. Welcome to this special episode of the Infosys Knowledge Institute podcast, Brilliant Basics edition, where we talk about the future of work and digital disruption. I'm Anand Verma, and today I'm happy to be joined by Analor Arnold, Program Manager, Telenet, and Brilliant Basics client lead, Thomas Wouters. The topic today is really exciting. That is all about agile transformation in our digital disruption category. Uh, before we kick off, Analor, Thomas, I would love to know more about you, your background, some of the stories that listeners might be interested in outside work as well. Um, I'm currently program manager at Telenet. Um, for the last uh, 18 months, I've been working on a program called OneApp. And next to that, I have um, two small children, three and six, um, two girls, actually, who I'm trying to educate and help them just kind of grow up and, and try and be as happy and successful as possible. I love sports. I love running. Uh, I like basketball, watching football. And yeah, that basically uh, sums up my, my day, week and uh, what I do. Amazing. It's great to have you, Analor. Thomas? I've been at Brilliant Basics for two years now. I think I'm one of the ones that sort of has been everywhere. I started in London, was here for almost a year, then helped set up the Berlin office, moved to Paris. So I've kind of been all over Europe. And Telenet has been my main client for the past two years. Um, and then outside of work, oh, I think it's sort of the, the classical stuff. Uh, gym, you know, because I'm a foodie, I kind of need gym to offset that. Um, exploring new cities, which is quite fun because I've received the opportunity to move around quite a couple of times. Yeah, just, you know, go to the movies, read some books, that type of thing. Fantastic. So, Analor, you know, just to kind of a bit brief background on Telenet, can you describe what Telenet is as a company? What do they do and what are their sphere of influence within Belgium and outside? Um, Telenet is a Belgium telecom provider. So they, they serve the Belgian market with mobile internet, home internet, telephony products, um, lots of focus on entertainment as well. So it's the full spectrum. And yeah, they're, they're one of the top players in Belgium. We've been there since the late 90s and have, have grown ever since. And uh, OneApp also involved the business, technology and design, all of these three factors to come together as well? Yes, so that's, it's really important. So the team we currently have about 20 people, we can, we really fully deliver the app end to end from um, the initial idea concept to the design, to the technical analysis, to building the app, to testing the app. It's really the end to end product delivery this team takes on. One app I remember has gone through its own ups and downs and 
Can you just describe what it has gone through? And I think that'll set a nice scene for the next part of the discussion on agile transformation. About, as I said, a year and a half ago, we, were, we found ourselves in a really difficult position as a program um, where there was a general perception that we weren't delivering in line with expectations. And yeah, looking back at it now, it really, it really stemmed from needs to, or desire to really make long-term detailed plans based on a number of very high level assumptions. And it's no surprise that we were never able to deliver those long term plans because product delivery is no exact science. There are many unknown factors which you can't, you, you, you never know in advance. So we really wanted to move away from that, trying to create that long term view, which well, we always found out was unrealistic and we were never able to deliver that, which caused a lot of frustration, in fact. Can you just describe what are those frustrations that business owners kind of were raising to you? Um, I think the frustration specifically were that we we didn't have any predictability because we were making plans which we couldn't deliver. But at the same time, we also we didn't have any flexibility because... We were always saying no to last minute changes because we were so desperately trying to deliver those long term plans. So I would be unhappy too. You don't get flexibility, you don't get predictability. You're just stuck with something that you probably, at the end of the road, you you get a product that you, you get it late and you probably didn't fully want it anymore. And they caused frustration with the team as well because um, they always felt that they could do better. They always felt that, you know, we, we can do this. They, we saw the road to what if we start delivering smaller pieces um, of functionality as soon as possible? What, what, what if we try and get feedback as early as possible um, and really move into that agile mindset of dele- uh, releasing little and often? You know, one of the big things I want to talk about is the trust between the teams, right? Because as we are getting sandwiched between number of different stakeholders, you have to maintain some sort of motivation and the team ceremonies and team kind of celebrations on a regular basis. So feel that there should be feeling that what we are united together, regardless of our emphasis, BB, Telenet and other badges that we kind of bring to work. What's your view on how trust uh, was built on this program from the get-go. I'm sure it went through a ups and downs kind of journey. Um, I think we're we're extremely lucky to have um, our Scrum Master Victoria, who basically like grows, supports, nurtures that team. Um, and yeah, we try obviously to minimize um, disruptions and to minimize changes in the team, but they will happen regardless. Um, but it's because we have such a, a well-oiled, well-running machine that actually is changing one cog we can manage, you know, we're very welcoming, we're very open. Um, new people bring new skills and new points of view to the table. So it's actually also a great opportunity to uh, maybe challenge some things, question some things, further improve. So we, tr- you know, we do look at it from that point of view as well. The fact that we were in such a difficult position 18 months ago and we worked together to get out of it was a perfect ground so us to build that trust. Also really focus on, as you said, like everyone had a badge. There are multiple vendors working on this program and really building that single team ethos um, where we are open, we're transparent, we respect each other and we trust each other really. There are different factors influencing that trust. A key one is reliability. If you say you're going to do something by a certain date, you know, do it. If you don't, well, you know, you, you're losing that element of, I don't know what you will do next time when I ask you something. It's about creating that intimacy, 
really strong personal relationships. Um, I can say that, you know, the people on the team are my friends. We see each other, we WhatsApp each other outside of work, um, send them photos of my kids and what I did this weekend. So it's really kind of building those personal relationships and, and, and just, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, quite envious actually because every party I see a talented team on, they have their own photos. I'm like, I'm, I want to be part of that photos, right? And it's a, it's a lot of team camaraderie there and looks like what happens at the party helps the team to perform really well when it comes to serious work as well. If you like the people you're working with, you're, you're going to do a better job. Absolutely. And I think there's a lot of consistency in the team I see as well. It's a long-term team. Um, you know, we have a lot of debate about do we bring, you know, rotation into the team? How do we do that? Because people sometimes, I'm not saying they'll get bored of what they're doing, but having a variety of work they're doing is a big part of them growing in the kind of career as well. You are on this journey, you're one year into the program and some successes are coming through your way. And one of the big thing about OneApp is the way you mention the messaging to the senior execs, the way you talk to them and kind of amplify the messaging. I would love to hear from you in terms of where Telenet is right now. And we'll talk more about where Telenet is in terms of agile journey and transformation. But, you know, how OneApp has been managed from senior stakeholder perspective? I think we've we've asked a lot from our senior stakeholders. Um, we've asked them to let go of long-term plans, um, to give us a certain level of autonomy, to allow us to self-organize in a way that we think we can deliver um, priorities in the product in the best way. So we also had to find a way of, of, of balancing that letting go of the long-term planning with um, other elements to make sure that they're informed, that they understand what's happening. And we've been really focusing on our communication there. It's been a huge piece um, of the puzzle. Every sprint we do extremely detailed concise but detailed reports on where we are, what happened, what that means for the product, when we're going to release next, and is have, keeping that feedback loop upwards as well and getting the feedback back from management. That's really helped. Again, also building the trust um, with them and demonstrating that, uh, you know, we can do this and we can deliver every two weeks or every month. And as long as we keep doing that and we're very open and transparent, I think you know, we can just, we're set up for success, further success even. Can you describe if we have to create a an agile team, what are the few skill sets that you look for? Someone with a very thorough understanding of your product, but also your broader products as in the products Telenet's providing. So a very strong understanding of that business. And then you need to merge that together with um, a very in-depth um, strategic understanding of how to build apps and, and how to make apps, um, you know, um, deliver value to your customers. So it's a, the product owner role together with a designer, um, UXer who, who really embodies the user in the team. So really important to get that feedback. And then we go straight into analysis. So we have a couple of um, really strong analysts who can then take those requirements and translate them to um, what it means to an app at a user story level. Um, and then it goes really quickly, to be honest. Then we get straight the devs involved and the testers to start um, identifying what it takes to technically build and test this and also make sure that we have automation in place to make sure that we, we can test throughout the sprint. And that's, yeah. And then we have the Scrum Master who really supports the team and makes sure that we have a positive environment um, there. And then an overall architect who looks at the technical setup, make sure that we're future-proof, also very important from a quality point of view. And the DevOps element of it, 
the team are also, you know, they don't just build the app, they also support the app when it's when it's up and running and when issues might occur. So it's really taken up in the team and we want to keep it as small as possible almost to make sure that we're as agile as we can be. What I'm hearing is that Telenet is going through its own agile transformation journey. Do you have a belief that OneApp was a contributor or major contributor in, you know, for Telenet to actually go on a journey and have a bit of confidence that this is the right way of doing stuff? Yeah, I, I believe we demonstrated that how successful it can be and what it means for you, what it can mean for your product and for your um for your people's engagement and, and happiness at work and then overall what it means for your in terms of productivity and efficiency, which I don't think should be your primary goal or primary outcome of going agile. It's not about delivering something in three months instead of six months, but actually you do see that when you get into the mindset, you start delivering little and often that you, you know, your team is happier, that you things will go more smoothly and you will go faster as a result. Um, but it shouldn't be your primary goal. Your primary goal, should, should it, you should do it to build a better product and get more feedback. Love it. And it looks like, you know, this is a mindset shift, this is a culture shift, um, not just, hey, Agile is a fashionable statement and I want to do this because, you know, I want to make a statement to the outside audience. Let's talk about some of the failings uh, and frustrations quickly, right? So it, it's not always a rosy path, right? We all know that uh, Agile is sometimes fragile. Agile is sometimes agile, right? And every company looks at Agile in a very different way than the way you are describing Agile, right? So I would love to hear your views on what are the, some of the failings or some of the misconceptions or frustrations that you have seen mm -hmm. that our listeners might be interested in saying, hey, we are on this journey, but here are the kind of some gotchas moments that we have to look at as well. We didn't turn up at work one morning and said, let's now, now we're agile, we've done it. Um, that didn't happen. And actually looking back at it now, we went through this, this phase where we were doing agi fall or agi fail, as people call it, where we were still, um, we had all the labels and the terminology and all the meetings you should have in, in, in you know, a scrum agile way of working. But we were still thinking in a very waterfall oriented way and we were still thinking that we should be spending months building a certain feature or a number of features and releasing it to the customer so we had that intermediate phase as well where we were moving towards it but we weren't fully there yet and I think it did take us about three months to reach a certain level of agility and even from then we've been evolving ever since throughout the year there's always things we can improve needs might change your product might change and you might have to tweak your way of working or, or certain elements around it so it's not done in a day and it's also never finished you need to keep at it yeah once again uh you're listening to brilliant basic special series of the knowledge institute podcast where we talk about the future work and digital disruption we are delighted to have Anne-Laure Arnold, Program Manager of Telenet, as well as Thomas Wooters, BB Client Lead for Telenet. A lot of our listeners must be thinking, do you need a project plan for Agile, right? Do you do a certain routines and rhythms that allows us to be on the right path, for example? And of course, if you're going on a destination, you got to the direction of travel. Uh, what's your view on that, Anne-Laure? That's a really valid, valid point, actually. And my response would be that Agile does not equal chaos. You actually need a lot of discipline to do Agile or be Agile successfully. So for instance, to us, that it doesn't mean we don't have a plan anymore. We, we identify uh, release goals three to six months ahead, but we see them more as commitments and, and items that the team will be working towards rather than um, 
being written in stone. They can also evolve because we will get new feedback or we might want to change our minds. Um, so we also really coach our stakeholders on the fact that this is what we're working towards. However, um, you need to understand that, you know, this will evolve based upon feedback or delivery and there are multiple factors uh, impacting those. But so we do have a plan and if the, the key thing there is that if things change that we communicate openly, um, transparently and, and really quickly about those as well. So things should never be a surprise. Interesting. And uh, you said you played a lot of sports growing up and you still play a lot of sports. You're running 10K, you told me. Do you feel that having come from a competitive background makes you a little bit more driven within the team? Uh, not just you, but also the team itself as well. I think it helps us to like a challenge. <laughs> That's what I really like about Agile. It's it's a challenge. You have to keep so many balls up in the air all the time. It's never finished. You need to bring your best game to the table every sprint, and then you need to do it again for the next sprint and the next sprint. It's relentless. It doesn't stop. But keeping at it and the fact that you keep on delivering, it's just, it's, it's, you feel like you're winning every month and that's so great about it. I, I feel that sports has this connotation of, you know, if you give a challenge and given challenges are smaller, you feel that's a game of, you know, some marginal improvement constantly, right? So if you look at the British cycling team, the way they won the Olympic gold was because they were improving, you know, every second, every time they practice rather than going for a big bang. It looks like if you break the problem down in smaller chunks, mm -hmm. there's more higher propensity of delivering that, but more frequently to your point about Agile. So that's why I wanted to connect those two dots together. I want to talk about two more topics uh, before we move over to Thomas. One is I'm hearing a lot from, you know, when I meet with yourself and the senior clients, there's a sense of uh, acceptance from failing fast to learning fast. And I really enjoyed reading your blog about you know, let's focus on learning instead of failing. Really excited to kind of use that terminology because I don't think it's accepted by a lot of senior execs yet. But in your case, you're kind of almost changing the status quo mindset in this. Love to hear your thoughts on what do you think about this kind of change in terminology from failing to learning? I think indeed failing shouldn't be a problem. It shouldn't be an issue. However, that doesn't mean that you can just try anything and see what happens. Is that mindset that, you know, that's not, it's not the right mindset to, to build the best product. You need to understand what you're trying to learn. It's the validated learning. That's the key. It's understanding what you're trying to test, what you're trying to achieve, how you want to get there, what the KPIs are, and then uh, measuring against those and, and making informed decisions. And tr again, going for that incremental improvement. It's not the, oh, let's try this and oh, it didn't work. Let's try something completely different. It's the moving towards your goal and keeping that in mind. So what you're saying is that with the parameter around this, basically you're giving ability to learn fast, but not try and do something completely crazy and expect some other results to come in, right? And that's about just for learning from that, move really quickly to the kind of next stage of uh, evolution. A lot of our clients are going through, hey, we've done this one product really well in an agile way. Should we implement that across the company? But these problems could be different kind of problems. What's your view on, you know, scaling agile? What are the kind of key takeaways that our listeners should be looking for? And also when to apply this and when not to apply this? Yeah, I'm still learning about it as well, actually. But um, based upon on my experience, I think there are a couple of, of key factors to take into account. And it's understanding why 
um, you think agile will be the best thing for you? Is it because you think you'll be building a better product? Is it um, because you want to deliver certain items to market faster? You do need to understand what you want to achieve because if you still want to have a big bang launch of your product on day X, maybe it's not the best thing for you. If you have very uh, heavy processes or you work in a really heavily regulated industry, then maybe it's not that achievable either. Um, there's nothing, I, I also say that whilst I clearly love Agile, there's nothing inherently wrong um, in some instances with a waterfall delivery model. It, it does work as well. We just need to understand what you're trying to achieve and, and, and what your goal is. I'm hearing a lot about what Agile does is uh, kind of creates predictability. Uh, and a lot of people say Agile doesn't create predictability and waterfall creates predictability. So one of the statements I heard the other day was, you know, by the time you fix a problem in a big bang, the problem statements has changed because, you know, digital is just disrupting everything at such a fast pace. So in a way, you know, the question here is that can you apply Agile to everything but not, you know, everything in terms of, you know, regulatory changes or, you know, constitutional changes, for example. But from a digital disruption perspective, it looks like the right methodology mm-hmm. to leverage to start with. And if it doesn't work, then choose a combination of methodologies that mm-hmm. might be appropriate for your business problems. I think indeed the agile mindset and the focus on collaboration, um, you know, will, will, will benefit um, everywhere in any model, really. But it's also about doing what's right for you. Um, and not sticking to a certain theory just because that's the theory. You might want to combine certain elements. You might want to tweak it so so you, you're solving your own problems um, rather than just implementing a certain framework. And that's exactly what we did. We had an issue and we tried to solve it and work, move forward and, and do what's right to us with elements from certain theories, of course. Amazing, amazing. So Thomas, you know, with Analog, we talked about digital transformation and agile transformation of Telenet, the journey of OneApp as a pro- program of work that we're doing as well. For me, it's the two sides of the same coin. While Analora is kind of managing a team and making sure that things are going progressively well, I would love to hear the BB story from you in terms of the team setup, the team's locations, for example, which has been an interesting model in the agile transformation world as well. So would you mind sharing your views from BB's perspective? So I think for us, it's been um, a really interesting one in the sense that, you know, we always talk about speed and scale with BB and and Infosys. And I think this is sort of one of those projects where we genuinely put that in motion. So if you look at the team, we started with a relatively small team in London about two years ago. Um, and then once we wanted to scale up, we had some Infosys people from, uh, from India actually join the team with sort of the thought behind it was if you ever uh, want to go to more a production mode in a couple of years where you want to offshore, then, you know, we bring people to London, we train them, we embed them in the team so to have everyone in one location, and then you can potentially move them back off and they could start uh, over there. So I think um, it's been an interesting one because you also bring different cultures together. And I think that's one of the strong things of the team that we have is, you know, you've got the local people on the ground in Belgium, you've got myself, you've got uh, people here in London, we've have the influence of, of, of India. And I think that brings a very sort of interesting mix to the entire team. And, you know, it's all been glued together by client, uh, by the Scrum Master, and just that way of working and that one team ethos. We've got Telenet to thank for that in a big part because they've given us the opportunity to do this and also to fail. Uh, We received all that trust at some point where we said, you know, we can do this. 
Um, we've also asked a lot from them. So it's not just us sort of being in the driver's seat. I think we gave them quite a couple of challenges in the sense that, you know, we wanted them to trust us. We wanted them to give us a certain freedom to do things in the way we saw fit. And we we received that trust. And I think that's been one of the, the big success factors because there are misconceptions about, you know, offshore and different cultures and, and how is all of that going to work. But I think, you know, by being very open and by giving us that opportunity we actually created something that worked and that worked in a very natural way. We talked a lot about trust with Anilor um, around how do you build trust between team members and it's one for all, all for one kind of mindset. But it's quite hard when you have an SOW between a client and a partner, let's call it partner rather than yeah. supplier, to build that trust wasn't easy when the Telenet journey started. There were a lot of evolution of that kind of relationship. So can you just describe from building that trust with Telenet as a, in this case, a client, how did you go about with the team to build that trust and understanding the culture part of that trust? We went through, you know, the classical journey where there was initially an SOW with obviously a whole list of requirements and the timeline, which I think Anna-Loren also mentioned it, give people this false sense of security saying, oh, this is what I'll get for my money within this time, which we obviously, I mean, we've failed, let's be honest about that. And then I think because we did work in phases, gradually we started to change it because ultimately, you know, it's not just the team that needs to trust us and the senior leadership team, but also procurement at some point needs to say, okay, I will sign off on this. So, and also there we went through a couple of phases where I think last year everything was, you know, around, um, you do need a set of KPIs because you can't just say, you know what, give us uh, X amount of money, um, we'll give you a team and then we'll see what happens. So we had a lot of discussions initially around you know velocity delivering story points coming up with ranges of how we're going to do that just because or someone needs to be able to say oh yeah actually bb um, has delivered on what they said they would um, and i think this year we're again a step further so in the last year we worked with story points which i think uh, and a certain velocity which i think we we hit every single sprint which now makes those conversations easier again because that trust has been built and proven and i think that's the important bit. You know, once you prove um, that you actually can do what you said you were going to do, then those uh, conversations become easier and you genuinely go to a partnership. I think if you look at a classical sort of vendor um, client relationship, if I call, if I can call it that way, what you tend to sometimes do is, you know, you always want to impress your client. So you sit in your little corner, you do all your work and you always want to go back with a positive message. I think what we've achieved over the past two years is that we can say the good and the bad. So we can have very open conversations where things potentially don't work on our side or potentially don't work on Telenet's side. So, and, and that's that relationship that we've built now. Thomas, in a few words, if uh, listeners want to know what has worked really well between the partnership, how do you describe, you know, the partnership between Telenet, BB and Infosys? I think the openness. Um, we can put literally everything on the table. Um, and I think OneUp has been sort of a pioneer project for all of us that we're now trying to, I wouldn't say replicate, but take ethos that we created with OneUp. We're now trying to move to other projects wider in the business. And I think that's a big achievement. Amazing. 
And a lot, Thomas, we have a tradition on our podcast to ask about which book you're reading now, if you're reading any book or which is one of your favorite books that you have read that you might want to talk about. Um, so I've started the new Silk Road. It's basically a book about how the world is changing and the, the influence of China and other countries on the rest of the world. Um, I haven't gotten that far because it's actually relatively scary. So I usually start to read a couple of pages and then need to move away again. Um, uh, and restart. Thanks, Thomas. And a lot, thank you so much for a great discussion on Agile Transformation. Please share what's been, uh, you know, latest on the reading list. The last book I read um, was on the plane home and that was called Sprint. I was inspired by the team. They actually shared it with me. I was like, I have to read this. So it's about how to identify and solve certain business problems in like a five-day period. And like, I can't wait to try it out and do it myself. And it combines design thinking, um, getting the technical people involved as early as possible, identifying what you want to solve, the validated learning, kind of what you want to achieve by solving that and really testing those things as early as possible with customers. So it, it fits perfectly with kind of our team's mindset and way of working. How can people find you online, Anilor? Um, I'm, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I, uh, I have a blog there. I write articles, I would say every month and, um, yeah, feel free to connect and, uh, let's talk about agile and product delivery. Love it. Thanks so much for your time. You can find more details on our show notes at emphasis.com slash IKI in our podcast section. And a lot, Thomas, thank you for your time and a great discussion. Everyone, you're listening to the Brilliant Basics edition of the Infosys Knowledge Institute, where we talk about future work and digital disruption. Thanks to our lovely producer, Yulia Debari, and the entire Knowledge Institute and Brilliant Basics team. And until next time, keep learning and keep sharing.